Well, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our nation, Canada. We pray right now for the leaders from government to health care to business to arts and entertainment. Father, every area. And we just ask right now that you give us leaders in all of these areas, Father, who stand for freedom, for justice, for the whole truth. And wherever leaders don't, we ask them to be removed. And in the name of Jesus, raise up men and women, Father, with a servant's heart who care about this nation, and that we can take this nation on in democracy into the freedom and the generations ahead of us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The day you walk into heaven, there's something that you should do. See, in heaven, there's a library. I love libraries. I mean, uh, right from when I was a kid, when my mom first taught me the love of reading, I just started to read. But in heaven, according to Psalms 139, there is a book, and that book is about you. Psalms 139, verses 13 and on, says that even before you were formed in your mother's womb, he had already written this book. Every day of your life, according to this chapter, is a page in this book. He only writes good things. God does not plan evil. We live on a world, though, where evil will come against you every day. But what he wrote in your book, the book with your name on it, is every day of your life a page. And it says that every morning when you wake up, he is still thinking about you. You are crucial to the plan of God. It's important that you understand that this world continually tries to make you feel like you're just one of the masses, that you're unimportant, that whatever you do is fine, live the way you want to live. Uh, you know, just get your bucket list out and let's just see how, how far you get through your bucket list in the, in the century that you're here. But according to the Scriptures, Ephesians chapter 1, it says, even before the foundation of the world, he knew your name, he knew you, and he had a plan all put together. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says that he's prepared a pathway ahead of time for you that you should walk in it. God doesn't force you. God doesn't make you because he's the originator of freedom. He gave you free will. You can or you might not decide to walk in these paths. But if you walk out God's will for your life, the story that he has written for you is far beyond anything you could imagine. Ephesians 3 says what God's got prepared for you on this planet, let alone heaven, is beyond anything you can imagine, anything you can ask, anything you can think. Now, everybody right now is going, man, I have a vivid imagination, Leon. I know, so do I. And you can't comprehend how he's designed your life to be so full of purpose, to be so full of giftedness, to be something that we can know and sense. There's a, a reason 
why I'm here in this decade, in this century, on this continent, with this church, with this group of friends. God's got a plan. God is so intentional, you are not an accident. God is so full of purpose, and He's designed you that way. And when you get to heaven and you walk through this library and you find the book with your name on it, you'll probably flip it open and say, so what is this? And the angel will tell you, well, this is what was prepared for you ahead of time. Well, that's crazy because, like, there's about 13 chapters here that I've never even seen before. Yeah, you, you died too early. Oh. Yeah, you know, it says in Psalms 91, last verse, that with long life he'll satisfy you. So it's important that you live and, and expect and believe to live a long life and to fulfill the destiny. Wow, well, okay, well, I mean, number chapter 3, uh, that didn't even happen in my world. Yeah, I know, you, you, you kind of decided that, that year to go your own way. Missed out a lot of amazing stuff that was prepared for you ahead of time. I want you to be so aware that what God has for your life is so far beyond anything our puny brains could ever conceive of. You see, I was raised in a denomination where preachers would come by and preach, and they'd always talk as though, you know, you know, the, most, the worst thing you could ever do is succeed because then you're going to be proud. So we fought pride. Everybody was guard looking at everybody else. And if you wore a nicer suit, you're proud. Nicer car, proud. Be confident, proud. There's nothing we could do in life. And it was proud. We're going to pray for you. You're probably proud. I'm going, give me a break. And what it did was it pretty much destroyed any gifted person, which is everybody's got gifts, from getting up and with courage and excitement and passion go, come on, let's go. Proud, proud. You know, the Bible says that Satan is an angel of light. So I'm going to depress somebody, but it's going to figure some stuff out for you. He's an angel of the word. Oh, he doesn't interpret it right, but he'll use every verse he can against you, take it out of context, try to get you to be religious, and just stop you from rising up and being the amazing, stunning, phenomenal gift that you are to this world. I want to change your thinking. I want you to know that you and I together, and all of us, the body of Christ, we are the only hope this world has. And I don't want to get to heaven and wander down the hallways of this library until I finally find my name and then pull it out and then be depressed. Oh, well, there's no tears in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to know that God doesn't make junk and God made you. And you've got to make a decision to not just become born again. I... I entitled this message today, The Third Book in Heaven. Because there's three books you need to be very aware of. The first one is the book of life. Revelations 20 says the sea is going to give up its dead, the land is going to give up its dead, and those who do not know Christ as Savior are going to stand before God at the great white throne judgment. And the book is going to be opened. 
And if their name is not found, there's just no hope of making heaven. You wouldn't exist there anyway. You're not born again. You have no ability to, to live in the very righteousness and the presence of God. And it says you're cast. You're cast out into the lake of fire. That first book's a very serious book. It's what gives all of us our purpose. We don't live for ourselves. We live with the business gift, the governmental gift, the whatever gifts and abilities are in you. We not just build our careers. We don't just raise a church up, but we intentionally want to win these wonderful, wonderful people who have not heard about Jesus yet. That first book, it's called the book of life. But then in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about a second book. That book is the book of works. And it talks multiple times in the New Testament about another judgment, not the white throne judgment. This is a judgment for Christians. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ. In the Greek, it's the bema seat. Now, Everybody gets worried, thinking, oh man, I'm going to be judged for it. No, this is a positive judgment. It's like when you go to the Olympics and you go watch figure skating and they see the panel of judges there. They're handing out awards. They're handing out medals. They're going to, they're, they're going to you know, rate you out of five or out of ten, whichever it is. And, uh, and they're there to hand out awards. And so when we get to heaven and the, at the end of this age, I'm not sure exactly how, and I do not add when the Bible is not clear. It says very clearly that there's going to be an awards ceremony and that Jesus is going to hand out rewards for every born-again believer who worked for the kingdom. And the Bible says here when you read it that it needs that when he tests our works he's going to test it for motive what was your motive in doing it so you've got to have a motive it's right and was it of any value to the kingdom of god with what did you spend your life doing did it actually impact eternity or did you live selfishly just for yourself and your pleasures which is crazy because when we get to heaven we're going to have a new heaven a new earth and the pleasure and the joy and the stuff we're going to do for eternity can hard it's going to be so far beyond whatever that your bucket list on this planet is a pathetic puny little thing to the joys that are going to take eternity for god to show us his variety to show us and so it says here in the word that when we stand before him that our works are going to be tried and he talks about there's no way to you know to to fudge god <laughs> Well, God, I mean, come on, let's talk about this. He knows every motive you've got, every second that you think. He, he knows everything. And it says that our works, our works will be tried. And then it says when it survives, you know, the quick test, then he's handing out awards. So heaven has a reward system. I don't know what it is. It's silent about that, so I'm not going to make anything up, other than it's going to be a stunning thing. If you think the Emmys were amazing, if you think, you know, pick an awards ceremony as these people all applaud themselves and bless themselves and vote on themselves in movies and music or whatever, we're going to get to heaven and Jesus is going to look at his church as far as the eye can see the billions of people that will be in heaven with him. And he's going to say, let's just take some time. And let's just begin to bless and reward and honor the men and the women 
And you know, someone will think, well, I remember when I first met Sally, we had, we had this conversation. She goes, oh, great, we're going to, Sally is very cool at some of this stuff. She goes, we're going to get to heaven, and oh, you, the preacher, are going to have this huge mansion, and me, I'm at home with the kids, well, a little cottage down the river somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no one's going to be judged on, on the world's effectiveness, but what did God call you to do? And were you faithful? This is going to be the most stunning thing. I think it's going to be some of the most interesting time in heaven as we all stand and Jesus takes center stage at the Bema seat and he begins to reward and thank his church. I know I'm not perfect, but he's not going to look at me and slap me and go, you sure missed it a lot of times. I'm just sick and tired. Do you know how many times I tried to get you to do this? And That's not Jesus. He's going to look at you and he's going to say, thank you for when you did this. Thank you for your prayer. Thank you for walking those halls when everyone was in church and just keeping all the kids safe. Thank you for cleaning those bathrooms so that as people came in for the first time, they would feel welcomed and looked after this this thing called church is powerful and so there's a book of life and that's going to be opened at the great white throne judgment there's the book of works that's going to be opened when we all stand around jesus at the bema seat but it's interesting to note that there's a book about you now, don't get all concerned and freaked out that, boy, if I, if I miss something, I'm going to be in trouble. No, I believe that Holy Spirit, according to God's Word, has been sent here to guide you in regards to what He's called you to do. He's here to guide you so that whatever your career is in, whether it's health care, whether it's in sports or music or movies or government, that each of us in this thing called church, His church, have gifts and abilities. And if we do our part and, and we come together in, in, in His church, we can literally impact cities. You know that when the gospel went to a city... It says one person went to that city and great joy hit the city and they grabbed all of their occult idols and books and piled them so high that it was tens of thousands of dollars worth and they just burned it because they'd found the one true God. They had found their answer to the fulfillment that only Jesus can bring. I want to challenge you today that your life is not getting through a bucket list. It's not this fearful on defense that, well, Leon, did you hear what's happening? Did you hear what's happening in Belgium? Did you hear what's happening in Ukraine? Do you hear what's happening with Fauci? Do you hear what's happening at this point? Oh, my Lord, Leon, it's the end times for sure. Get me my shotgun, going to buy a cabin in the bush. I'm going to shoot quail, and we're going to live off of grass. And, and, and you kind of go like, oh. Like, when I played football, we had... Two teams within the team. We had the defensive team, that when the other team had the ball, the defensive team would get out on the field. And then when we had possession of the ball, the offensive team. And when you had the ball and you were on offense, you're going to go score. For some reason, church thinks it's always on defense. Huddle in your little church with the four walls and the big bad devil. You never know when he's coming. Ooh, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. You're like, oh, give me a royal break. I was in church one time, and we had a center aisle back then. And I had this guy dressed in solid black and wearing white makeup, and he walked down to the front after the service. 
And he looked at me and goes, you know who I am? And I remember the Lord just giving me a word of knowledge. Yeah, you think you're going to kill me. Who I am. And I started laughing at him. And he's looking, he doesn't like being laughed at. He was dressed just so he could stand out. And I said, dude, the little devil that you serve? Are you kidding me? I serve Jesus Christ, the king of all kings, period. I mean, he is Lord. I, that's who I serve. And you think I'm going to be afraid? Are you kidding? And he didn't even know what to say. This story, I, I share it in, in uh, one of the messages of how he had a little girl that God healed. He said, would, would you pray for my little girl? Because he was kind of, his brain was doing flips. And I said, yeah, bring her. He went home 20, 30 minutes later, brings his little girl to church. And, and God healed her on the spot. She wasn't walking properly hardly. And, and just restored her. She started running around the church. He gave his life to Christ on the, the spot and just started coming to Springs and attending Springs. Like, why is it that most of the church today feels like we're on defense? Dear Jesus, help us. Oh, God, it's getting bad down here. Okay, first of all, we're on offense. It should be that when you wake up, all those little demons from hell go, Oh, oh. she's awake now. Everywhere she goes, full alert. Who's she going to talk to? Stop her from talking to anybody. Look, we need to see ourselves differently. But for some reason, we've got, and then we have our end time doctrine. Which, sorry, my pet peeve, I'll be quick about it, but, oh, Leon, do you think it's the end times? Of course. According to the Bible, before Christ is before time. After Christ is the end times. It's the latter days. We're in the latter days. It's been called the end times for 2,000 years. And then you find someone that goes, Antichrist is going to behead you, and the beast's going to kill you, and all the Christians are going to run for the mountains, and we're going to go like... What kind of Bible are you reading? Whatever your end times doctrine is, it better be that he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, a, a glorified church. But he's coming back for the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. We have such a loser doctrine that is going out amongst the Christians as though, yeah, well, I mean, do you know how bad the devil's getting? The Bible says where, where, where the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard against him. What's that, a wee little thing? Oh, a little, you know? No. If the church doesn't quickly determine who it is, we're going to be playing second fiddle, losing cities and countries, simply because the church won't stand up. And then when we do stand, we go, oh, duck. Leon, don't talk about that stuff. You're a preacher. Just shut up. You shouldn't go on. Are you kidding me? Like, Leon, Leon, just shh. Yeah, you go ahead and be quiet and don't defend the people who are being attacked now. You're on the list somewhere anyway, so we may as well just stand up and be counted and help out and raise up a country that knows freedom, that knows Jesus. There's an interesting teaching in the Word of God because Jesus talks about He is building His church. Now, the word church is really abused as well you know we think anything that has to do with quote-unquote christianity that you know that that's that's a church but the bible's very clear that a church is something that is being built it's not just you know maintaining and that jesus is building his church now, as you dive into the Word of God, some people say, well, you know, I'm a part of the, you know, the ecumen of the universal church. I don't believe in local church, and especially not big churches. 
Yeah, I know. Everybody thinks churches should be tiny, little, don't have too much property or money. Just stay dumb till he comes back and let's not impact the planet. And I, I have an opposite vision. I was raised in a, a type of church denomination where we felt that big churches were evil. And if a church got bigger than about mm, 200, you should divide it in two, put a pastor over both groups. And, and if it got any bigger than that, it was just the senior pastor's ego that was being massaged here. And all the attacks on, on a church succeeding. I wish they'd have told that in Jerusalem where, I mean, the first day was like 3,000 men born again. And they tell us that the church at Ephesus and the church at Jerusalem were churches of 50,000 people. But somehow people get this religious mindset that the church shouldn't succeed, shouldn't be successful. Well, how has that been working for us as a country? And so we need to recognize that a local church is a place where Jesus and his presence is and that we're reaching out to beautiful, wonderful people who just need to know him. They need to discover Christ, not in the religious way that's attacking them and pointing a bony finger at them, but in a way that lets them know how wonderful and beautifully they've been made and that God sent his son to die just so we could have him back. Why have we messed up the gospel so much and i want to challenge you that you are not just called that when you get to heaven and you read the book with your name on it and it's got all the adventures of your life do you know what else is going to be in that book the incredible team you should be a part of well you know leon church is church and we just kind of go whatever we need that season really well the bible says in psalms 92 those who are planted in the house of the Lord will bear fruit and flourish right into their old age before they go to be with Jesus. There is something about the local church that requires us coming together, a loyalty, a, an honoring one another that stands shoulder to shoulder and when winds blow, we don't move because we have a call from Jesus to go into the highways and the byways and to love and to care and that wherever we go in careers and family that we reach out in a way that isn't judgmental, Jesus himself said he didn't come to judge the world. He came to free them. He came to love them. That's why everybody loved Jesus. And so we want to make sure that as a church, and there are, there are no perfect churches. That's why you can attend. There are no perfect pastors. There are no just Jesus is perfect, and so we come together and, and we encourage one another. And, and you know, and if someone falls down, you don't ch -ch boom, shoot your wounded, you reach down, you pick them up, and brush them off, and say, Been there, done that, got the t shirt. Now, let me help you for a while, like someone helped me for a while. And you keep going as a church. We need to have the church wake up in Canada and recognize we've got a nation. To reach we've got wonderful people and we need to disciple them in the truths of the Word of God so that we rise up and go yeah and I want to just challenge you today that you understand that the church of Jesus Christ is the only hope for this planet 
And so why would we want some defeated, pathetic little church to attend? Go find something. And if you're not happy here, go, there's something else for you. But, but we need to find a place where we can roll up our sleeves and use your gifts and abilities with other gifts and abilities and together have such a unique impact that we begin to impact nations for Jesus Christ. We need to recognize that a church a local church is a place where the presence of God is and lives are touched and people come to know Jesus and they begin to grow in the things of God and the growth of the knowledge of God's word will make them better in their, in their careers, whether it's government, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in arts, entertainment, education, but whatever it is that this incredible foundation where the word of God is being fed to you and you've got a reason and a purpose for your life will cause you to rise up. I talk to a lot of people when I speak around this planet and, and really successful people who don't know Jesus are the quickest to get depressed because they begin to succeed in an amazing way and then they realize, I feel as empty successful as I did unsuccessful. And I thought success in money, career, success in ownership, success in getting the accolades of my peers, that when I was somebody, I'd feel better about myself. But Leon, I feel worse. And I usually tell him I know, and it gets even more worse. What? You can't fulfill that part of you with any kind of success. Only Jesus. Only God can touch this. But yet, how come we still get caught up in that? We can get out there and go after money, go after career, go after being somebody, and we've forgotten that your life is so short and that all the pleasures and the accolades that you get, dude, when you die, they're just going to change the nameplate on your office. That's it. They're going to hand somebody else. Your to-do list, is it really worth giving 60 years of your life for? No, I'm saying work good and prove to them that you can do, but don't make that the thing that is your passion. Get up and, and fall in love all over again with Jesus and just get up knowing wherever I go, I want to bring his love and his joy because we live in a world where people are so tapped out. They're so empty deep on the inside, but our world has taught them you're not going to get business, careers, or jobs unless you look like you've got it together. So we live in a world where the better you look like you got it together, the higher and the better the job you get. I heard someone say, being transparent and vulnerable is the key to great success. And when you can fake that, you got it made. <laughs> but now you can fake out others. But you can't fake yourself out. And your own heart will simply stay marinating in this emptiness that drugs, sex, money, accolades will never fulfill. If they did, then these rock stars 
who get up and play to 80,000 people and people are screaming their name and waving their shirts at them and they still go to the green room right afterwards and snort a line of cocaine because they know that they're nowhere near what these people are worshiping and they need God. There's a book in heaven, it's got your name on it. You go ahead and write your own future, go ahead and figure out two. 2022 figure out 2023 and at some point you're going to realize that I think I should have paid attention to God's word I think I should have said God guide me lead me you have a reason for me being here and begin to walk out the calls and the purposes for your life the Bible says many are called but few are chosen it doesn't mean that God was having a bad day and so he goes you Everybody's called, and we present ourselves for choosing. Maybe just present yourself. Say, God, here am I. Send me. Here am I. Use me. Here am I. Is there someone I can bring your love to, your hope to? Or continue to spend the rest of your life looking for a new pleasure. And that's the greatest lie is, okay, well, I got three of the ten pleasures going okay in my life. But I guarantee you if I get the fourth, I'm going to be even happier. And man, if I can get the six, dude, I'm going to be rocking. Yeah, and by the time you're 79, you're working on number six. And then you realize, I'm running out of life. Yeah. It was worth serving Jesus. I just want to say one thing to you. This whole purpose of my message today, as I'm showing you where to go, and I encourage you to go to the chapters that I have shared with you, to do it and read this for yourself as a believer. But you are here for such a time as this. And there is a unique and divine call upon your life. There are billions of people to reach for the kingdom of God. Stop worrying about fame. Stop worrying about, you know, becoming so everyone knows my name. The Bible says pray for the Lord of the harvest that he would send famous people. No, that he would send laborers into the harvest fields and that they would begin to reap a harvest. That harvest, every one of them are people who give their life to Christ. Someone said to me, yeah, well, Leon, you, you get up there and you speak to thousands and millions of people, and, and so what good am I going to do? You know, isn't it interesting that all the stories of Jesus are him ministering to one person? He taught crowds of 4,000 men at a wife and 20 kids, Tens of thousands of people. And we don't have much in those messages, a little bit. But we have clear, beautiful stories of how to minister to one person. Like the person caught in adultery that Jesus just says, go your way. Where's your accusers? Like the thief that he went home with, Zacchaeus, and no one could stand him. And they were upset Jesus went with him. And in just hanging out with Jesus, he repented and gave everything he'd stolen back times four to every person he'd ripped off. If we can just recognize the Creator made you, the Creator gifted you, the Creator has got a plan for you, or not, take the plan.
I challenge you today to just say, here I am. I, I just really need your guidance. And he'll guide you. And he'll lead you. And John says, Holy Spirit will show you things to come. That your footsteps will be guided. John 10, it says, Jesus will call you by name and lead you through your entire life. Simply meaning, don't worry. Don't freak out about this. Just say, here I am. Send me. When I talked about the book of works. How that God's keeping track of everything we do. And there's a cool verse in the Bible that has kept me going. And it's Matthew chapter 10 and verse 42. It says, whoever gives one of these little kids just a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Heaven is going to be such an amazing place even the person that filled this cup with water today and just set it up here, it was recorded in the book of works. That guy standing outside all winter parking cars with the ice coming off his beard and mustache, it looks like Santa Claus. Free, just Every car he parked was recorded. It's not hard just to turn around and to serve others. And to be a blessing to others. And to say, Jesus, I just want to do this for you. It's going to be interesting one day. I can't wait to party with Jesus at the greatest award ceremony the universe will ever see. As he begins to honor all of you. For everything we've done to a cup of water. Father, I pray today that there be something that happens deep inside of every one of us, that we'll stop living our lives for ourselves, thinking we know how to get happy, but that we would turn to you and just say, use me. I present myself for duty. Give my life the purpose that it needs, the joy, so that eternity, I'll have impacted people for eternity. With every head bowed for just a moment for for all of those that are here across the auditorium that would say, Leon, you know, truthfully, I, I'm not sure that, that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm, I'm not sure that, that I'm a follower of Christ. Well, I'm going to lead this entire place in a prayer. All of us are going to pray it. But for all of you that would say to me, Leon, could you include me, please? Because I need to give my life to Jesus. Just you folks, would you open your eyes? all over the auditorium and just wave at me till I see your hand and say, you're saying include me today. I'm getting right with God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, others. Give me a quick wave. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Coming over to the center. Thank you. Others, give me a quick wave. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Everyone thinks I can see you, but all I can see is bright lights. So that's why I know there's hands going up that I'm not seeing, but I want to just wait a moment. God's speaking to you. I know he is. You're sensing it on the inside. I need to do this. Don't fight him. Don't push against him. It just, okay, God, I, I accept you. I wonder if all of us together could follow me in this prayer that I prayed one time in my life and many of us prayed with these amazing people making this eternal decision. Let's pray it out loud and confidently. It goes like this. Just say, dear God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus. He died in my place. 
He took my sin and he qualified me to be in your family. I accept in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. That's how powerful, how amazing that is.